Buenos días. Especially for those that would, uh, didn't, uh, were not here for Sunday school, uh, let me uh, thank you for uh, your faithfulness on supporting us all these many years. Uh, it's 20 years. It's a long time. And I don't believe that you have ever missed a monthly uh, uh, month of support all these many years. And uh, we are very grateful. And not just for you uh, supporting us uh, financially, but also for praying for us and uh, keeping in touch with us. And we appreciate your pastor very much. And uh, I consider him a friend, as well as some of you here, that I know that you have been here uh, since uh, we were here 20 years ago. And um, uh, so uh, let me just share a little bit. Uh, you, if you pray, this, uh, this next two weeks are, are very busy there in our ministry there in Uruguay. Uh, we have the, the school, the, uh, the place for the seminary uh, will be a uh, camp. That's where we'll have camp. Uh, for the next two weeks. So it starts with a youth camp this coming week. And we have people coming from uh, all over the country and even from Argentina. Uh, some of them were arriving yesterday. And please pray. Why? I, just, um, uh, I know it's packed. That place is already packed. And, uh, of course, we're uh, still remodeling. So I, I, I <laughs> it's just I don't know how they're doing, doing it. But... Uh, uh, praise God. Of course, a lot of times uh, some people cannot afford it uh, to go to normally where we have our camp because we have to. It's kind of expensive. And uh, but now, of course, uh, it's right there, um, and uh, that's not a, it's not a, as, as um, financial burden as it is. And so, even for those that are coming from other places, it's not a, it's a really good price. And then right after that, we have the children's camp. So please. Uh, we beg your prayers for the next two weeks that God will really hold and of their hearts and speak to them and pray for the special speakers as well. All right. Well, um, uh, since you're going to be sitting up uh, for the next two or three hours, why don't we stand and uh, read? I'm just kidding. Don't get nervous. I know. We also want to eat as well. Uh, so, no, we will, um, would you please stand as we read God's Word? And we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, okay? The Gospel of Luke. And uh, we will go to chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And uh, we are going to read uh, verses uh, 1 to 11, okay? Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, all right? Uh, Okay. You can just follow me as I, I read, okay? It says... And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would trust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, 
and have all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned into their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And that they and they came and filled both ships, so, so that they began to sink. Now when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also Simon and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto him, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. You may have a seat. Thank you. I don't know how many of you like fishing, but uh, there's a lot of fishing there in Uruguay. And uh, uh, I, but to be honest, at my age, I don't enjoy uh, touching worms and donating blood to the mosquitoes, like in the past. And, uh, you know, fishermen are known for many things, but one of them is they're known to be liars. And, uh, of course, these are uh, uh, unsafe fishermen. But uh, that reminds me of the story of these this friends that they will always go uh, fishing. And, and uh, you know, one of them, he always got the biggest one. So they went, and, and uh, so they, they, they were kind of tired of him. So they said, we need to do something about it. So uh, after they went out fishing, uh, they came and, and they tied up his hands. And... Uh, uh, and so uh, make sure that they uh, that he could not brag about how big his he he had uh, the fish he had gotten. So they tied up his hands. Then they started talking about fishing and how did he go? And one of them said, "You know, I I, I got one about this big. Oh, what about you? Am I about this big?" And, and they noticed this friend, this friend was suffering. I mean, this and and so they got him. Yeah, we got him. And but then he started going like this. This is how big his eye was. Uh, well, uh, you know, the story that we have just read is a 100% true story. This is not even an exaggerated story. To me, this is what the, prob- the best uh, fishing uh, uh, story that I ever heard. What a blessing. And I believe that there are some very important principles that we can learn out of this event uh, for our personal life, for our family life, and for this church. I see here three scenarios. Okay, so we'll talk about these three scenarios. I call it, they all start with an A, so we say the triple A scenario. Uh, First, it starts with action. Then it goes to adversity. And then achievement. So as we read uh, here in verse 1, it says that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. So uh, uh, we see that there's action, there's joy, there's excitement, there's passion. And we're told that this crowd have come to hear God's word. 
They wanted to hear God's word and, and to the point that they were almost pushing Jesus into the lake. And, uh, you know, uh, there are many reasons why a crowd comes together uh, to hear a politician or, or maybe to hear a, 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 a concert or, or, or to protest. And we have much of that over there in Uruguay. And, and uh, we see that, we hear about a lot of that here as well. But, you know, and uh, uh, today, even sadly, you know, today and, and uh, on Sunday, even right at this time, uh, many people that supposed to be a church, they are at a, a sports center. And in fact, we just came through there, not far from here, and I said, man, that parking was full of so many people at a, at a fitness center there. And, and there's nothing wrong with doing exercise, and I, I love sports, I like sports, but let's not forget that Sunday continues to be the Lord's Day. And uh, when you think about, you know, uh, where were the Europeans 150 years ago? 120 years. Where were they? Where were they? On a Sunday. A church. But what a tragedy as you look at it today. Where are they at? Stadiums. Sports centers. Uh, uh, soccer fields. And uh, 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 they're not a church. And how sad. What a tragedy. And uh, uh, so, uh, thank God, you know, for people that, that want to hear God's word. And uh, I hope that, you're, you, that you have come, uh, you know, with that excitement, with that passion, with enthusiasm to worship the Lord and hear God's word. And that's what this crowd was there for. They want to hear God's word. You know, there are some people that have more passion and, and fervor going to Walmart than going to church. Shouldn't be that way. I know my wife loves, he, she loves Walmart. I mean, as soon as we get, arrive here, she wants to go to Walmart. Praise God. And, and But there's nothing, no more passion and excitement and fervor than going to God's house and worship Almighty God. And uh, young uh, parents here, you know, your kids are watching you. I mean, do they see excitement? Do they see passion? And I mean, I can't wait for tomorrow, Sunday, and, and go to God's house and to hear God's word. I pray that that is the case. And thank God for those kind of believers that uh, come, and they're not, you know, they're half asleep or others, but they're with, they're with all their hearts, and they want to worship the Lord, and they want to hear God's word. And, and praise God for a church well, I know that you come here not to be entertained, but you come here to hear God's word. And God's word is presented from this pulpit. And you go and you go and uh, you have heard God's word. And, and so, uh, so the first scenario, again, is action. He says that they were almost pushing this uh, uh, Jesus into the lake because they wanted to hear God's word. And then, but then we go from action, we go to a second scenario is adversity. Adversity. We go to uh, sadness or discouragement. And we're told there in verse 2, it says, it says that the fishermen had gotten out of, out of their ships and were washing their nets. And, and, and then uh, on, on verse 
5, he says, that, And Simon answered unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Uh, he says that the Peter and his brother Andrew and his friends, they had been working all night. They have been there in the middle of the lake and they have thrown the net to the right and to the left and maybe to the front and to the back hour after hour and they had not caught one single fish. Well, some of you can say, well, I, I've been there and it hasn't been too bad. And I remember one time I went out there fishing until something 2 o'clock in the morning didn't catch anything, but we still had a good time. Wonderful fellowship. But let's not forget that in this case, for, for Peter, for Simon Peter, and, and this, this people here, you see, it was their job. It was their business. Not, not being able to catch any fish could mean having economic problems. Maybe not being able to pay their bills. Maybe not having enough food for their table or to provide for their families. And, and we all know that, how hard that is when you, you have no work, you have lost your job, or you don't have a job. I, I can re re remember this in, in Uruguay, the 2000, uh, well it started in 2001, but 2002 and 3 and 2004, those were hard years. You know, people, I mean, they didn't have food for their table. And I remember it was, our, our, my, our hearts were broken as, as our own people didn't have. They were going hungry. Out of, the, of our whole church, there was one person that had a permanent job. And us as missionaries, you know, we have what is called ministry money, money that we can uh, used directly for the ministry. And, and I remember us, uh, my, uh, Ruth, my, my family, we would go into Brazil and in, in our, in our uh, uh, van and, and fill it up with, uh, we brought rice and flour and oil and, and uh, then we'll come and, and make baskets for our people. And, and, uh, but that was hard. It was hard just to, for us to see them, what they were going through. And, and, uh, um, so you know if you've been there and you have no job and it's hard not being able to provide. So it was difficult. And, uh, but you know what? Something, even though they were in this, this, this trial, they, they, maybe they had failed, they, they uh, defeat, defeated, they have failed, they had worked all night and they had not gotten anything and, and we know they were down and discouraged and, and, and uh, but something was just about to happen. And it was a turning point for Peter's life and, and this man. And, and, uh, and so that, that's what it is, you know, uh, when Jesus arrives, things change. Isn't that true? You know, Jesus came into this world a little over 2,000 years ago, and he divided the, the, this world, in, the, divided the history of this world. And even the atheists, as they go and they write their, you know, their chemistry books, and they say 2016 edition, they recognize that this world was changed when Jesus came 
And, and then you find some archaeologists that they talk about some pots that they found and, and they say that they were made 400 years before Christ. And so the Jesus came and this world was never the same. The same thing happens with a person when they repent of their sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and ask Him to forgive Him of their sins. And their lives will never be the same. That's the greatest thing, you know, to, as a pastor, as a missionary, to see lives transform, change. Marriages that they had, you saw it over there in the presentation. We have a few couples that they, they had been divorced already. There was no, 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 no hope whatsoever. And, uh, but then one of them got saved. I can think of Jose Villanueva. Uh, we, were not, we were going, uh, reaching out to the community, and we gave him, came to their house, and, and they, oh, they didn't want to hear it. I said, but here, I give you some little. No, no, we don't want to. But hey, listen, you probably, you're going to need this sometime. They said, what? Well, just, just listen, just keep it here, and whenever you have that, read it. Okay. So they kept it, and, and uh, well, uh, uh, time went on, and about five months after I had been in, we had been in that house, uh, I'm in a meeting there. We were meeting in, the, in, the, in our house, and, and this man came and knocked on the door, and, and so I opened the door, and, and uh, he looked, do you remember me? And I said, you know, I, I know I've seen you, but I, yeah, did you leave such a, yes, I said, you came by and, and uh, left us some, some uh, there, uh, literature, and at that time we told you we didn't need any help. But then he started to cry. He said, but we need help. Please. Would you please, he said, help me. And he, uh, I was busy and I said, listen, uh, he says, uh, I'll come to your house. I'll be there in a few minutes. Is that okay? He said, yes, I'll be there. And I came, I mean, he, the man was heartbroken. And I remember telling him, look, there's not much I can do. But I do know somebody that can really turn things around and could do the you could, you could not even imagine. He said, really? Who is that? And then I shared with him about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember he was, uh, he just, uh, uh, I mean, he nailed down. I didn't even ask him to kneel. He knelt down and, and, and said, please, God, forgive me. And, uh, and uh, we, uh, what a blessing. And uh, right after that, he says, uh, oh, he says, uh, Pastor, so there's hope. My wife needs, she, you know, we're already divorced, but she needs to hear this. And uh, what a blessing it was. It took like three years. <laughs> three years before the wife got saved. Because she said, oh, I don't believe him. You know, I think he just wants me to get back to religion. But that man will never change. And about three years later, I remember one time when she pointed out to me, he said, uh, our Mr. Is this, uh, uh, minister, he, she called me, he says, you know, you're wasting your time with that man. He's using you. He'll never change. 
But then I remember the day when she called me to go and, and visit with Ruth and I. We went and, and she said, you know, now I believe. I mean, my, the, uh, 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 Jose, he, said, he is a new person. And, uh, and then she, we gave her the gospel and she got saved. And what a blessing, you know. So uh, uh, sometimes somebody has rightly said, he says, Men's adversities are God's opportunities to accomplish something great. Sometimes, you know, trials and difficulties uh, 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 help us to see our need of the Lord. And there might be even some of us here that we came to know the Lord, that we recognized they came to know our need of salvation, maybe in the middle of trials and defeat. And, and we call on, on to the Lord and ask Him for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and uh, uh, so we go from action and adversity, and then we go to a achievement. Achievement. And, and uh, uh, so as we look, look at verse 6. Uh, verse 6, and he says, And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. Uh, uh, and then you look at verse 7, he says that they, 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 their net had so many fish, and, uh, and that they had to call their, their friends and say, Hey, come and help us. And they, and they came, and they filled both boats to the point that they were almost sinking. And I ask myself, well, it's important for us to know. So what happened? How did he go? How did they go from failure to victory, from achievement, from adversity to achievement, from from sadness uh, uh, to joy, from from having nothing to have such an abundance? How did that happen? And I believe that there's not 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 a mystery here. And. Uh, I believe we, uh, the answer is obedience. The answer is obedience. You see, we see Jesus asked two requests to Peter. Uh, number one, the first request uh, is this in verse 3, and pray him that he will trust out a little from the land. So the first request to Peter was, uh, uh, Peter, uh, please, I, I want you to just push the, the boat into the lake. And uh, uh, so Jesus has gotten into Peter's boat after, uh, uh, and uh, uh, he just asked him to push the boat, and and uh, Peter obeyed. That was not too hard. That was kind of easy, and and uh, 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 so he he just obeyed. And uh, uh, but then the second request was not easy. In fact, very challenging. It was hard. The second request, it didn't have. He didn't make any sense. It was ridiculous. You could say it was nonsense. As verse 4, he says, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. In other words, Peter, I want you to go back into the lake and start fishing again. You know what? Peter could have given all kinds of excuses. By the way, let me tell you this. I'm sure if, if Peter had not obeyed the first command, he would not have obeyed the second command. You see, Peter obeyed. When Jesus said, I want you to push the boat, he, he just did it. He obeyed. 
And, and that made him ready for the second challenge. And, and uh, if he had not obeyed, you see that problem was with so many Christians is we're not, we're not obeying the small commandments in the Christian life. We're still struggling with little things that are not so, you know, we, we have not grown. Uh, and, 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 and we need to grow, you know, up and learn to obey. And that's a problem with so many Christians, isn't it? You know, so many people, they have their heads here. I mean, they have, their, they, they have God's Word here. They have the Bible here. And they even memorize Scripture. But can I tell you this truth? Uh, if you can even memorize this whole book, He will do nothing unless you are willing to obey it. God's Word has been given to us to put it in practice. Not just to read it, not just to memorize it. Of course, you are very, you are wise on memorizing, learning, reading it, and memorizing it. But let's not forget that we need to put that in practice. And there are so many Christians and so many people. They have this big head of knowledge, but they not put it in practice. And that's tragic. That's sad. And uh, so Peter obeys, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he could have given all kinds of excuses, and, but you know, I never met anybody, I have never met any Christian that is solid, firm, strong in the Lord, that keeps giving excuses why he doesn't obey. Every believer that I have met that has God's hand upon him, uh, uh, and and uh, that is strong and 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 and, and mature is, is an obedient believer. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, sometimes you know we're good and giving excuses. And uh, Peter was could have given excuses. Peter could have said, you know, Jesus, I'm tired. Or he could have said, you know, Jesus, uh, we we already cleaned the net. Or, or Peter could even say, you know, uh, Jesus. Uh, uh, let me see, Jesus, don't forget, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. And you see, uh, Jesus, there's something you don't know, and, and that is the fact that that we go fishing at night because that the fish come to the top of the lake, and, and, and then during the day, like now, Jesus, if we go there, the fish are at the bottom of the lake, we'll never be able to reach them. We don't see none of that. We don't see that here. He simply obeyed. Pretty much what he's saying, you know, uh, 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 Jesus, uh, 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 even though he did struggle at the beginning, you know, as we read this, uh, I love at the end of verse 5 when he says, All the night I have taken nothing. And, And Peter then says, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. So he's saying, Jesus, uh, what you're asking me doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. Jesus, what you're asking me is hard. It's challenging. You know, uh, 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 but, but because you're asking me to do it, I'm going to do it. And praise God when we respond. And that even though we don't understand it all, even though it's hard, 
you know, many, many of us, I mean, we, we enjoy just to be there in the shore. You know, I don't know about you, but we have a lot of water over there in, in Colonia. Uh, the pastor probably told you about that. And we have the Rio de la Plata is 37 miles wide. That's what separates us from Buenos Aires. 37 miles. That's, uh, but, you know, we're right at the mouth of Rio de la Plata. And we have a lot of, well, and I love to just go and take my shoes off. And you almost look like an ocean, but it's sweet water. It's a river. And uh, I just love to take my shoes off and walk on the sand. And I, you know, and that, that's good. But, you know, sometimes it says God says, okay, I, le- I need you to jump into the water. Go into the middle. Leave, leave, get away, get, go, uh, uh, leave your comfort zone. And uh, I'm so glad, you know, that I, I wish I could tell you that I have been obedient all my life and everything, but, you know, that's far away from the truth. And, and, but, you know, Peter wasn't. He did struggle at the beginning, but then he just, I uh, says, okay, I, I just need to obey, and he did, and and, and uh, you know, but uh, I'm so glad that I obeyed when God called us to call me to the mission field. He was not easy. You know, uh, I, I came into this country, and Ruth also as well. We we came and and I, we fell in love with this country just like this. I mean, you know. Uh, all the comforts, you know, carpet, air condition, some things that you all take for granted. And, and, and you know, I remember I, 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 was, I wasn't saved at that moment. Uh, and, uh, uh, but I remember telling myself, uh, I'll never go back to Latin America. I want to stay here and live here the rest of my life. And, and, uh, but then I got saved. And after I got saved, I added a little extra. And I I said, I'll never go back to Latin America unless the Lord calls me. And it looks like the Lord has a sense of humor. So he did. And I remember that was not easy. And and, uh, we struggled with it. And uh, uh, Ruth the same. (laughs) <laughs> because we knew, you know, what we were going to go into. And, uh, uh, you know, but uh, and then the, in my case, it was hard to tell my dad. You see, at that moment, I was studying chemical engineering, and, and uh, 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 my dad was investing a lot in me, and, and uh, he really had, he wanted us. I also, I also felt that's what I wanted to be, but then God called me. And I remember, uh, you know, just really struggling and praying about telling my dad. So finally, I remember calling my dad and saying, well, well, dad, um, uh, we're going to go to Uruguay. He says, oh, okay, that sounds really good, Archie, good. When are you getting back? I said, well, no, dad, we're going to go. And you see, my dad was never in the military, but he should have. He's still short, but I mean, tough. And I said, well, uh, uh, Dad, uh, we, we're not go- you see, we're going to go as missionaries. He said, wait a minute. Archie, you telling me you're going to go live there? I said, yes, sir. He says, isn't that where you're coming from? Archie, don't you learn 
Don't you know? Then he went and said, Archie, can I ask you something? I don't know if you heard about this. Do you know that there are millions of people trying to come into this country? Do you know that, Archie? I said, yes, sir. Now you tell me why. You see, because there's future here in this country. You could get ahead. There's no future over there. You know that. You're going to mess up your life. Archie, you're going to mess up your family. Archie, I brought you here into this country so you could get ahead. Why are you going backwards? And he went on and on and on. And, and that, that was not easy. But do you know, I'm so glad I obeyed the Lord. I was not trying not to be unrespectful to my dad. I don't think I was, but I needed to do God's will for my life. And uh, it, it was not easy. And, and, and honestly, in my flesh, I could tell you, in the flesh, I would stay here in this country now. By the way, two things. I did come legally into the country. And so uh, my wife uh, as well, and uh, even though she had, we went through. I mean, and you know why? Why we went through? You, some of you, are, thank you for praying. And some of you have brought, up, brought that up. Oh, it was so hard. We went through uh, some immigration issues. And, and you know what? There was no, there's no other way to explain what happened but Satan behind it. And he wanted to get us out of the mission field. And the reason that we, we had to battle with the government. And uh, can you imagine? I mean, you can't, it's hard to win the government. And, uh, but we saw God's hand. And you know why? I have no doubt. Because you were praying for us. And uh, so that's how, as I say, I was say, saying in Sunday school, important, important, how important that is to pray for your missionaries. And, and uh, 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 But uh, uh, you see, God is going to accomplish something great with Peter. This was a turning point in Peter's life. And, and so Peter... Uh, obeys and and he goes to the middle of the lake and and and, and they get so many fish that they just have not, not know what to do with it. What a blessing! Well, you and I know we need to uh, finish up, but you know you and I know that Peter was not the first pope. We agree with that, right? The Catholic Church they said Peter was the first pope. Well, but that even if that is the case, so why is it the Pope cannot get married? Because Peter was married. You say, what, how do you know that? Well, aren't we told that Jesus, that Jesus healed Peter, Peter's mother-in-law? If you have a mother-in-law, you're married. Right? It just makes sense. So we know Peter was a... So, well, so we know he was not the first pope. However, there's one thing that we must recognize. And that is the fact that Peter was greatly used by God. He was a, greatly man, a, a great man, a use, an instrument in God's hand. And the question is, why? Why was Peter such a great, a great, great tool in God's hand? Uh, 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 you, you know, was he that smart? I don't know. Now, did, did, was he, did, he, did he have all these degrees and all this education? That I know. He didn't. 
So why was Peter such a great instrument? One reason, Peter was an obedient believer. Now, was he always obedient? No, he was not. We know that. And I wasn't, I, we all have our, 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 our moments of disobedience, but in a general way sense, he wanted to do God's will, and he wanted to honor the Lord with his life, and he obeyed. And, 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 and so, uh, if you think about it, you know, uh, 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 Peter, uh, who preaches at the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 2. And, 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 and uh, who, out of the 12, uh, out of all the apostles, and who stands up and preaches, and, and 2,000 souls come to know salvation? Peter. Who is the most prominent person in the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts? Peter. He was greatly used. And there's no doubt because he was an obedient believer. What is it exactly that, that Jesus wanted Peter to learn out of this? Was it uh, Jesus wanted Peter to learn how to fish? No, Peter knew how to fish. Peter wanted, I believe, the answer we find that there at the end of verse 12, uh, uh, at the end of verse 10. He says, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. So, he says, Peter, you're not going to be a fisherman. Now you're going to be fishing for men. And he obeyed. And when we obey, God is going to bless you know, there are a lot of people that they want God's blessings. In fact, I don't meet that many people that say, I, don't, I, want, I want everything to go bad in my life. I mean, I want everything to be all messed up. I want the worst. No. And in fact, there are many churches that you know that they're full of people and they want, they want God to bless them. The problem is they're not willing to obey. All they want is God's blessing. That's not it. God is willing to bless us, but we must obey. And God has called all of us to be obedient in small issues and big issues. And as we obey, then it's up to Him that He will, whether He wants to bless us or not, but we know we can open the gates of blessings if we obey. And Peter was greatly used, I'm talking about not, not, not financially, as far as we know, not he did, but, but spiritually, and he was a great instrument in God's hand because he was obedient. May God help us to be obedient believers. May God help us to raise up a new generation of obedient Christians. You know, don't forget, mom and dad, your kids are watching you. And the best way to teach uh, obedience is by us putting it in practice. As we know what we need to do, I say, God, I know this is difficult. Lord, it really it doesn't make much sense. It goes against what they taught me as, as I learned in my growing up years. It goes, but but as we as we know. We read God's will, and you say, God, I, it's hard, 
I know this is getting me out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to obey you. You know, we have been left here to be witnesses. Right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Go ye therefore, and, and be, we, you know, we need to be witnesses. And, you know, as witnesses, you know, we need to, of course, we need to live a life before the neighbors and our co-workers and friends that honors the Lord. We want them to see Jesus in us. We need to do that. But also we need to open our mouth and invite them to church or, or talk to them about their need of the Lord. How are we doing? I know, I know many of us, you know, we, we have this, we are unbalanced. There are many areas that we are so obedient yeah, I mean, uh, that's great, and we could be an example. But there are areas that that we're really struggling with, and areas that 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 you know, and, and I know, and the Lord knows that we're not obeying. I don't know what it is your area. I don't know what your area you struggle with, but you know, and the Lord knows. May God help us. To recognize and, and, and keep stop giving excuses why you're not obeying. And, and, and recognize and say, Lord, forgive me. I, I know I've been obedient all this, but this, I know this area, I'm not obeying you. And, and, and God, I, I need to turn that over to you. Please forgive me. I want to start a new stage in my spiritual life. May God help us to make those changes.